Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. On today's podcast, comedian, film reviewer, and sheet wrangler Alexei Toliopoulos joins us to discuss his favourite films from 2022. My name is Justin Hamilton, and it's great to be back right here for Season 7 of Big Squid. We're back. It's a brand new season of Big Squid, and we're kicking it off with a massive podcast as my pal Alexi swings by to discuss our favourite 10 films of 2022. Not best, favourite. We're not arrogant enough to tell you what's the best, because your taste might be different from my taste, which might be different from Alexi's taste. But these are the films that we enjoyed the most. And it's interesting as well because some films ended up on my list that missed out on Alexi's because he saw them at film festivals towards the end of 2021. Uh, My favourite part of the podcast, and I won't tell you which movie it is, but we do a list of our 10 favourite films and we literally have one film in common. One film at exactly the same point in our list. So, I hope you enjoy that as much as I enjoyed it. It was quite the shock. We had no idea what the other one was thinking, what the other one had written down. So, it's a pretty funny moment. So, look forward to that. And uh, we also disagree on some stuff as well. Like, there's one thing that he says about a movie that I love that, like, I'm not saying he's incorrect, but I just, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it and I can't see what he's getting at like I genuinely can't but that's what makes it a great podcast we have different views we have different thoughts uh Alexi's a smart guy and an interesting person and he comes at things from a different angle so as I said I might not agree with him but I'm not saying he's incorrect I just like don't know what he's talking about 
So look forward to that. And uh, you know what? We also discuss your favourite films. A big thank you to everyone who contributed to the list at the end of last year. I think you'll be entertained to discover which movies resonated with our Big Squid listeners. I reckon the people who listen to this podcast have pretty good taste in movies. Anyway, you'll know what I mean when you get to it. Uh, Before we bring Alexi in, I'm returning to the Adelaide Fringe from the 28th of February to the 4th of March. That is five shows only. Five. That's it. And Big Squid listeners can save money on their ticket purchases by using the promo code PODCAST. So if you're in Adelaide, it would be great to see you. I also have news for Melbourne. I will be back at the Melbourne Comedy Festival for two shows only. Two. That's right. Adelaide, five. Melbourne, two. But Melbourne... You're getting two different shows. On April 16th, I'll be producing the first live Big Squid podcast down there. And on the 17th, I will be performing my solo show. So once again, you can use the promo code PODCAST to save some coin on your ticket purchases. So for more information, head to justinhamilton.com.au forward slash gigs. That's justinhamilton.com.au forward slash gigs. Look, to be honest... It would be great to really sell those shows out because then it will encourage my management to bring me back down to Melbourne and Adelaide more often. I I would definitely come down more often, but, you know, it's a a ticket purchasing world. So if you haven't seen us for a while, uh, please don't think, I'll catch him next time because... You can make a next time happen by coming along to these shows in particular. Anyway... Enough of the begging. I'm not begging. I'm just kind of pointing out how it works. But you you get it. Uh, I'm also wrapped to announce that we have some new Patreon subscribers. Some uh, new people have joined us over the Christmas break and have been listening to the Patreon-only podcast that I've been putting up. And as you may or may not know, everyone who signs up has an episode dedicated to them. Today's shout-out goes to Tim Hay. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Uh, I hope you enjoy today's podcast and I'd love to hear where you stand on your 2022 film going experience. What was your favourite film from last year? Let me know, Tim. If you'd like to join Patreon and have access to bonus podcasts, and uh, with the bonus podcasts at the moment, uh, there is the ongoing Dispatches from the Fury Road, uh, which for those of you who go to my website, you know, is a blog, but on Patreon, there's kind of a more expansive podcast that happens. Then there's a little bonus podcast like the one that I recently put up with Garth Jones, where we discussed the new Alan Moore novella. Uh, about Thunderman, which was a fun little chat. And uh, also, I'm re-releasing old Can You Take This Photo uh, episodes. That was my original podcast that ran for about seven years. And so far, there's been uh, old interviews from 2013 with Ben Elwood and Tom Gleason. And they were a lot of fun. So uh, over at Patreon, you can get access to those podcasts. There's also scripts, works in progress, and there's also access to super duper discounts. So if you think the podcast discount for the live events is good, well, the, the Patreon pod, uh, discount is even better. So if you would like to join up and become a part of that community, head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton and you can find a tier that suits you. Let's bring in our good pal, 
Alexi. You'll hear us agree, disagree, laugh, and mainly just love films over the course of this podcast. So strap yourselves in as we share our favourite films from 2022. It is my first recording for 2023, and <laughs> I could not think of a better person to do it with than Alexi. How are you, my friend? Oh, it is my pleasure to be here. I'm so happy to be here yep. doing what we do best, freaking talking yeah. about movies. Yeah. I wanted to catch up with you anyway and talk mm-hmm. about movies, and then it was like we were doing a Big Squid uh, favorite 10 yep. for 2022. We've had... Uh, a lot of listeners who have contributed their thoughts, which we'll uh, delve into at the end. Mm-hmm. There, oh, yeah. There's a big winner. There is one movie that is wow. right at the top. Interesting, interesting. So I, think, I think I've got a feeling what it could be. Yeah, all right. And we are also recording this the day of the Golden Globe winners, mm-hmm. so we can uh, throw in a little bit of that as well. Uh, before we start... What are your overall thoughts, just off the top of your head, for 2022? Uh, Film-wise? Yeah. Uh, I would say it's been a really good year for film. Mm. Uh, lots of surprises. In interesting ways, I'd say that big cinema is back, mm-hmm. but in a way that was kind of like not anticipated. Yep. I would say that over the last few years, what has dominated the box office has been like superhero movies, quite yep. obviously. Um, and I think we've seen that be exchange for more cinematically bolder visions uh, that are reaching the tops of like the big blockbuster style cinema. Right. Just even if you look at what's been talked about all year, you know, Black Panther only was talked about for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Doctor Strange, maybe even less. Yeah. But then you've got stuff like Top Gun Maverick, which has been a force for the whole year pretty much in the box office being in the top area of the blockbusters and then at the end of the year we've got Avatar coming back and really lighting things up and I don't know if you had a chance to see that movie yet uh, but I uh, like that first movie quite a lot I like this one quite a lot but it is stuff like Avatar Top Gun Maverick and Triple R, which I'm sure we might come up at some point during our discussion, yes. which are like these big, bold movies that have taken the talk, but also taken the box office numbers and become like quite big hits. I feel like that's something that's really refreshing to me. Yeah. Even though they're not like boldly original movies, they are really cinematic experiences I think we've been lacking in that kind of type of cinema for a long time. Yeah. That's something I did not anticipate. Usually I don't go for the big stuff by the time of the end of the year, but these big movies really like retained me for a long time. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, the I saw, you know, like 100 plus movies last mm-hmm. year on top of, you know, all the... Uh, you know, TV shows and and working and stuff like that. And it is still always a shock to me how uh, much I missed. Like Mm. Triple R, which I have tried to watch a few times and each time I've gone to watch it have just not... Have just not gotten to mm. it. Um, so, uh, and then it's also the, the superhero fatigue does feel real. Yeah, big and, time. And uh, I feel um, like Hammo. Speak of superhero fatigue, I don't think you and I even talked about the Batman. Like, yes. I just didn't even come up with us really yes. at all. Like, I think we must have talked about it. Well, I can't remember it, but I can't even remember talking to you about it. I barely remember seeing it. Yeah, I, you know, like I feel, and it was th- a good movie. It was really good. Yeah, and uh, you know, something like Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, uh, I think, you know, once again, is one of those films that 
deserves to be graded on a different level because of the difficulty mm. in making that film, which was, you know, it doesn't quite get as difficult, uh, uh, any more difficult than that, uh, having your main character, your your lead spine for mm. the whole story to tragically die. And then while you're, like, you're making the film, like, while you're grieving, you're making that film. And I, th- I thought it was... a really valiant film and mm. I, I really respected it I saw that Angela Bassett won Best Supporting Actress oh for her performance I love her but for that movie it's crazy to win that she'll win awards for that movie I've not seen that movie either but you know it's 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 pretty remarkable yeah it doesn't end up in my top 10 and it didn't even end up in my like mentions that I'm yeah. going to make at the end of it and mm-hmm. I thought it and I thought it was probably the best Marvel film I'd seen since uh, the last Black Panther movie. Probably, like <laughs> you know, no, I'm I I like the last I like Avengers Endgame. I think yeah. uh, I think that's a, a remarkable achievement. But the yeah, but it is definitely since since it's the f- first one in uh, yeah. any of uh, Phase Four that I thought actually had something else to say. Uh, um, um, but because it's such a meditation on grief, mm. like I don't know when I want to watch it again soon. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's inherently uh, a bit of a bummer. But uh, anyway, uh, it, it does feel nice to have moved on from the superhero genre. Uh, Alexi and I are going to do our top ten, mm-hmm. and because Alexi is the guest, <laughs> and I know you've you've recorded one for Total Reboot with Kate Jinks. Yes, and, we did, but we only have, talked about five or six movies. Uh, yeah, I, I've avoided it. Yeah, I even had. I even had our friend Kathleen McCarthy try to talk to me about it, and I went, "No, no, 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 no I'm recording the thing tomorrow." So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so would you? And how we're going to do this mm-hmm. is: say you mention a movie at number ten, and that's my number eight. Uh, we will wait till we get to number eight to discuss it. The top of position, and it's not it's not best of; mm-hmm. it's favorites. Yep. So we'll do top ten favorites. Uh, we'll do some shout outs, and uh, and then we'll. Share the listeners' thoughts mm-hmm. on uh, wh- what they thought was, uh, you know, well, no one was ranking it, but yep. there was a there was a clear cut winner. So, what what came in at number ten for you, Alexi? Uh, before we get in, I'll preface this: I've got a number ten, mm-hmm. I've got a number one, mm-hmm. and the rest in the middle they're kind of interchangeable, really. You know what? But I will choose a reverse alphabetical order in that middle section to right. get to the top. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I re- I reckon like. My my top two are interchangeable, mm. uh, and uh, you know what? Yeah, it, it was pretty hard actually. Yeah, it was it was actually pretty hard to. Yeah, I had a I, every year I make a list of in the last few years. It's like the number of the year. So I had a list of twenty two films this year. Yeah, and now I've whittled that down to a top ten. Yeah, I've the the nine mm-hmm. shout outs could be my top ten. Yeah, and 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 one of them in particular when I mention it was. It was probably the worst cinema experience I've had oh, in a while, wow, so okay. I, I need to I need to give that film another go. But, wow! So, uh, but anyway, that's coming up a little bit later. Wow! Well, uh, my first film, the number ten slot, is actually something that came up once when you and I were podcasting together at this very table yes. earlier last year. Right? Uh, it is the new film from Richard Linklater, Apollo Ten and a Half: A Space Age Childhood. Man, I have not. It's another one mm-hmm. that I haven't gotten to yet, and I keep it's it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It's a Netflix release, and that's why I keep forgetting that it's there. Exactly, it came up and it disappeared almost 
immediately. Yeah. I saw no one talking about it. No one really latched onto it. Uh, but I have a huge adoration of Richard Linklater. Yeah. And earlier last year, you and I and Cameron, we did a Total Reboot episode on A Scanner Darkly, yeah. which was his previous rotoscoped animation effort, which is a great science fiction uh, mind melter of a movie, yeah, and we didn't even. None of us knew that this movie was happening until we were recording this episode. I know, crazy, and none of us knew about Apollo Ten and a Half, uh, which is his rotoscoped reminiscence of his childhood. It's kind of in the same realm as something like Armacord, Radio, Radio Days, or Crooklyn, yep. um, by other great auteurs of all time, and it kind of captures the youth in the shadow of the moon, like this daydream, and it's a set in late 1960s Texas uh, in line with like the Apollo missions and how they kind of capture his imagination Uh, and it's in this really surrealist way where most of the movie is like this small childhood reminiscence like you know what they're watching on TV what's happening in the culture but also, he has been selected as a child astronaut to be taken on Apollo mission 10 and a half. Amazing. And that is all quite surreal. And it doesn't, it, it, it's given like this kind of dreamy edge to it rather than it being like the actual thing that's happening in the film. Yes. But I think it's stunning. Linklater really thrives doing these rotoscoped uh, kind of films. Like he yeah. did this one previously, A Scanner Darkly, as I yeah. mentioned. And then earlier, he did one called uh, Waking Life. Yes. And this kind of sits in between those two it's very right. very interesting I, I, w- I really want to put this on my list because this is one that I think more people should see because I cannot imagine people not delighting in this movie yeah I once again it is a film that when I've been looking for something else I got God damn it. Like, I even have a wish list, you know, mm. you're on Netflix, and I forget to check that. I just I just don't think to look, and it's such a pain in the ass. Um, I have been keen to see it. I think he understands emotionally mm. what Rotoscope yeah, does. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I, I think the... It captures that surrealism. Like, he just yes. understands that, that it doesn't look real and it doesn't yes. look... It can look weird, it can look clunky, it can look yes. odd, and it captures the kind of floatiness of that. Yes, and it's it's kind of rough around the edges mm. as well, and that's kind of what really lends itself to that sense of uh, unreality. Yeah. That's a good choice, and also a good reminder. So, uh, thank you for that, Alexi. Fire that one off, listeners, please. Uh, coming in at number 10 was a movie that I saw at the end of the year, and I enjoyed while I saw it, uh, mm-hmm. while I was watching it, and then it just weirdly stuck with me stuck for with weeks wow. and uh, that was Bones and All with oh, uh, wow. Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell. It is essentially a cannibal romance. Uh, two cannibals fall in love and uh, flee together on a road trip. It, even that description of it, it mm. doesn't really do it justice. Not really, no, because it's an odd one. It's like also like almost a near paranormal vampiric aspect to it yes. as well. It, it's kind of like a. Um, it's got a. It reminded me heaps of Badlands mm. with uh, Martin Sheen and Sissy Spasic. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed about the film was that. There was no piss farting about of trying to explain why these people are the way they are. They just live in a world where this occurs and uh, I thought the performances were great. I love Chalamet, of course, Mm. Uh, but uh, Taylor Russell, who we've seen in Waves. In Waves, yeah. uh, She is fantastic. Like She is really good. Um, And it was just, uh, once again, there was something about the... 
uh, the music by you know Atticus Ross mm. and Trent Reznor and the and the the colours the 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 lighting yeah the, in a way not dissimilar to how you were describing uh, Apollo ten and mm. a half felt very dreamlike and I was equal parts kind of creeped out and and also. Uh, quite in love with the with mm. the relationship between the two and i was you know i went in as i probably went in not really uh knowing what to expect i liked the the last movie by the director who did uh, call uh, me by your name yeah luca guadagnino suspiria was maybe i think his last film oh that was the last one yes yeah. and then call me by your name was yeah. the one before that yeah so you know so i went in uh with a you know with high hopes but i was quite surprised how long that stuck with me Mm, I am split on this one. I did not really like this film. Yeah. Um. I like Luca Guadagnino a lot. Yeah. And I like most of the cast a lot. But I just I don't think it ever became fully fascinating to me. This film. Uh. I was more interested in like the kind of supernatural aspect because I felt like the romance was not, or the romance was not romantic or lustful enough for me. There was something about that hold me back. I never really felt invested in that. And my main thing that I think is the drawback for me, one of my, uh, how to not sound rude, least favorite actors of all time, Mark Rylance. Oh, you I don't like him? I just can't stand him. Oh, yeah. The, uh, sure, he's probably a lovely bloke or whatever, and, yeah. but I just he, I never connect to his performances, and he's just disgusting in this one. And it's hard to even watch. Like He's got right. this drool dangling from his mouth. It's yeah. like, yuck, yuck, yuck. Yeah, yeah. But, but also, I would say people should watch this movie. It's interesting. And also, weird. that's that's... I think his performance is correct, though, right? Oh, I don't know. I just like don't. He did nothing for me in that role except for, like, actually, I hated watching him. Right. And I, in, not in a way, I was like, wow, commendable. I was like, you could have got someone cooler to do this or something, you know, someone wow. with a bit more interest for me. I just find him you really are, boring. You are. I have heard a lot of people uh, say this about Mark Rylance, mm. and I'm a little bit fascinated by it. I just have never I, liked him. Yeah, no, and never, I. I'm so is, sorry. Sorry? So sorry to Mr. Rylance and his family oh, and friends. Yeah. I just... Uh, hey. He's not my guy. So you just didn't give a shit when poor George died on his boat in Dunkirk? And I mean, I cared about died. the poor kid, but right. I didn't care about him. And I um, wow. I do not like Bridge of Spies. He should... Every day he doesn't give that Oscar Sylvester Stallone for Creed, he will spend another week in hell, in my opinion. I don't reckon it's just your opinion. I reckon it's Sly Stallone's opinion as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's your uh, number nine? My next film, my number nine film, is uh, one of the best cinematic experiences I had of the year. It is Top Gun Maverick. Right. A- and I uh, love Tony Scott, the director of the original film. Yes. But that is probably my least favorite of his films. Yeah. Just I, I've watched it a few times. Never really does anything for me. It holds no dramatic weight whatsoever for me. Yeah. This film, Top Gun Maverick, is a phenomenal cinematic experience. Yeah. And it is so cleverly made. Yes, I know it is military propaganda, but it, when it is this good, when it's this well-crafted and well-made, and it's got a lovely simple script, but it all hangs on the emotions and the spectacle. This is a fantastic spectacle and i saw this in uh the equivalent of like 4dx where the seats move oh yeah, Me yeah and henry yeah. stone were like let's just go let's see what that's like and there was a moment hammer where my feet left the ground <laughs> and my brain was just like you are flying 
And it was pr- it's truly spectacular. And uh, I'm a big Tom Cruise fan. I love Tom Cruise. I think this was fantastic. It did not make my top 10, but it definitely was uh, in my next uh, rung down. Mm. I had a really good time. I went essentially because I had one of those New South Wales vouchers that yeah. was coming to an end. Uh, I went to the cinema. Uh, I went by myself. I had a really good time. It was really well made. It was just nice to see a film where... It was just sincere. Mm. And the f- fact was, you know, there were jokes in it, but the yeah. jokes weren't like Marvel films where yeah, exactly. it's in the middle of a really serious moment and you get a, a, a quip, you know? It never undercuts the drama or the sincerity. And I thought that was quite sweet and clever. But then it's those really sincere emotional moments that work really well. Like that, that climax is just spectacular. And there's this moment where you kind of feel the ghost of Goose like yep. in the cockpit in a kind of Star Wars-y way yep. that I just thought was really, I don't know, I love this movie. I don't yep. know, I, I don't want to sound stupid or anything, but I just love, love, love this movie and yep. I can't wait to see it again. Like, I just really think it's fantastic. And it really makes me feel something that people are really honoring Tony Scott. Yeah. Because uh, two, I think two really great films this year, this one and Michael Bay's Ambulance, both like are in memory to Tony Scott. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's great to see artists pay tribute to him because I think he has been... Uh, not as respected as he should be. I think yeah. he's a genius. Uh, possibly due to, you know, not being here anymore yeah. as well, you know. Um, uh, the Val Kilmer stuff is oh, extremely uh, well done mm. and classy. And and I think it's probably Cruz's best acting in 20-odd years. In, yeah, in first the scene time with that him. they've acknowledged he's getting old. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. And uh, Jennifer Connelly is, mm. uh, you know, like... Because he, because to me he is as sexy as a stick of celery that's been mm. left in the sun for a little bit too wow. long. I, My God, Mister Celery fetish, I guess. Mate, <laughs> I, maybe I just like celery, yeah. but I yeah. felt like they handled the love interest just right, mm, and uh, and uh, a big shout out to whoever was in charge of the music for uh, the first time we see Jennifer Connelly having yeah. Let's Dance play in the background. Yeah. So. <laughs> I appreciated all of that. And those uh, plane scenes were it's phenomenal out stuff. of control. Yeah. Do you like the idea that he turned into soup at the very start of the movie and everything yeah. <laughs> else is just a fevered dream before he winks out oh, of existence? Oh, God. Well, then I, I, Maverick has a better <laughs> imagination than I could have thought. <laughs> Hammer, what's your number nine pick? It's uh, This might take you by surprise, but a film that I just had a really good time with was Hustle. Starring Adam Sandler oh, as a wow. down-on-his-luck basketball scout who discovers an extraordinary player, uh, basketball player abroad and brings uh, this phenom to America without his team's approval. And this film with, uh, you know, Ben Foster as, yeah. as nominally the bad guy, uh, Queen Latifah as uh, Sandler's wife. Uh, this film, I'm an NBA fan, mm-hmm. this film was pitched right between my eyes and it hit and I thought it was really well done. All the basketball stuff was, you know, from someone... It looks great. It looks great. And I like Sandler in these films. I love Adam Sandler. He's my hero. I think you know that. Um, But uh, it's also a Philadelphia set sports movie. The Rocky stuff in this movie is really excellent. But also, finally working with Robert Duvall in this movie, Adam Sandler has finished his collection of Corleone Sons after working with (laughs) Al Pacino in Jack and Jill and James Caan in That's My Boy. And he's worked with James Caan, I think, a couple of times. 
But yeah. he finally collected them all, and that made me so happy. I also really love this movie. I yeah. think Sandler's fantastic in it. Yeah, yeah. Loved it. And uh, they really did very well with uh, Wancho uh, Hernan Gomez. Mm. Uh, Anthony Edwards, who plays for the Minnesota Timberwolves, was a a, a charismatic presence. And uh, uh, Boban <laughs> Marjanovic is a uh, mm. he's uh, he's always been like a a pretty fun. NBA character, yeah, and uh, it was good to see them all in this film. I'm really glad this is on your list. It's not even in my honorable mentions, but I really like this yeah. movie, and I think it's a testament to how good this year was. I, I love this movie, and I not even close to putting it on my list. Yeah, funny, isn't it? Like, mm. but it's a that's a good sign. What's your number eight, Alexi? My number eight. It's another big spectacle. I think we've got quite a few big spectacles in a row from me. Um, it is from Dr. George Miller, 3,000 Years of Longing. Right, another and one that I did not get to. I really, really loved this movie and I... You might be the first person I know who has seen it. I think it's fantastic. And yep. I think that it, it, I, I'm really putting this one on my end of year list because I saw it pop up in a lot of like lists saying worst movies of the year or whatever, which right. I think is just psycho. Like it's right. crazy. How can you say that about this movie? There's such beautiful imagery and yep. such immersive storytelling that kind of expresses why we tell stories and why we mythologize the way that we love and the way that we communicate our emotions through cinema. Yep. I think that's kind of what it's all about, this film. Um, and I, I kind of think that it's slowly become... Well, not even slowly. Immediately became my favorite George Miller film. Really? Yeah. Wow, wow. Really, I really, really love this movie. Um, I don't think it's a perfect film, but I don't yeah. think art should be perfect. And I, f- I found it really beautiful. Yeah, there's uh, there's too much emphasis on perfection and uh, too many people... Mm. Uh, one of the things that I've become quite uh, dismissive of are people dismissing a whole film over mm. one line of dialogue, yeah. like in a two, two and a half hour film or, you know, one, one moment not being perfect. And... Uh, uh, and then, to be honest, most of those people are people living in Melbourne yeah. with the first movie they saw out of lockdown. Sorry, people in Melbourne, but yeah. uh, it's something that I've come to realise over time that uh, I'll talk to you about the second movie you saw yeah. when you came out yeah. of lockdown. Because uh, on your side with this, but a lot of you were pretty messed up and I don't trust any of your <laughs> opinions. But uh, yeah, like, you know what? It doesn't matter if it's perfect. Mm. As long as it's... Uh, I'd rather ambition yeah. than perfection. It's a very ambitious movie, the likes of which I don't know we'll see something like this until like, you know, Coppola's Megalopolis comes out. Yeah. Um, from a great auteur. I, don't, I think that this is really interesting. I think worth watching with an open mind. And if you're Sydney side of listening to this, you've got not only the great Dave Collins from Umbilical Brothers stealing the show for like two and a half minutes great but also danny lim is featured quite prominently in the in a scene as well right uh sydney icon danny lim he's on tough times at the moment so we love you danny and it's great to watch fantastic uh this is good you were giving me reminders of things that i need to see so Mm -hmm. thank you very much for this coming in at number eight is a movie that uh was in my honorable mentions and i kept thinking can i put it in my top 10 and then because this isn't what a best of list. This is a favorite list. Yeah. And this is a movie that completely took me by surprise. And I just had a stunningly good time sitting here watching it by myself. And that movie was Prey. 
Oh, it's cool, man. It's, it's a cool really movie. Good. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a skilled American Indian warrior protects her tribe from uh, a predator. And it is, that's all you really need to know. Uh, I've, I liked uh, Amber Midthunder when Great she was yeah. in the TV series Legion. And she is oozing charisma. Yeah. Like, she has everything you need for uh, a lead character in an action film. And, you know, she should be snapped up because, mm. you, you know, like I know that there are special effects in this film, etc. Yeah. But there's a lot of the film where she's just out in nature and it's just her acting and she is out of control good. Uh, the rest of the cast was fantastic. I don't really think there's anything much more to add to it other than I had a really good time. Yeah, And And once again was like, this is... This feels like a reminder of how you can do some big budget action mm. films, like lose the green screen, dial it back, come up with a really solid storyline, and have a good time. Yeah, less green screen, more green blood. Yes, um, I'm with you. Like I, I found this like really refreshing to see something with such a fun and exciting premise in yeah. like this kind of sludgy era of blockbuster blandness that we're stuck in. Yeah, um, especially from like all this IP bullshit. You know, like the in, the intellectual property being yeah. like, fed and spoon fed to us over and over again. Yeah. I think this was really fun. Just it, it seems like a no brainer. Like I don't know why yeah. why this has taken so long to get here. Um my favorite Predator movie is still Predator 2, but yeah. this is probably close second. I liked it even more than the original Predator, I think. Yeah, I just thought it was great. Mm. Had a really good time and uh you know, like there was a suggestion of a sequel and I'm yeah. like Cool. Yeah. Bring it on and like, do whatever. Time jump around. Just do, do lots do of crazy stuff. And and also, um, you know, the only the only kind of downer about the film is I'd like to have seen it at the cinema. Yeah, I would, would love have been to have seen this on the big screen. It would have been so much fun. Yeah. Okay, what about for you, Alexi, number seven? Uh, I'm popping in at number seven, RRR, the yes. aforementioned film by S.S. Rajamouli. Um, this one is a film that I think is quite exciting to see that is taken over a lot of the conversation and become quite a celebratory experience. I caught this in the most ideal circumstances possible. Uh, my partner and I had a day off together. I think it was like a public holiday. Yeah. Might have been like Anzac Day or something like that. And uh, we're just like, well, what do you want to do? Why don't we just go see a movie? And uh, we're looking at the, at the listings and there was nothing really that interesting, but I'd heard... This was like so early in the year and I'd seen somewhere that maybe someone I followed on like Letterboxd had been like, ah, 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 is fantastic. Yeah. So I was like, let's just go see this. It's a three and a half hour Indian film. Um, it's Tollywood. I don't know if I've seen a Tollywood film either before or for a while. Let's just go. And we went to see it in Burwood Cinemas in Sydney and it was a packed house. Yes. We were only two white people in a cinema and it was the best cinematic experience maybe I've had in my lifetime yeah. because it was just full-blown surprise. We didn't really know anything about this movie going in except there was some positive energy going into it. But the cinema was packed out from people of every age you can imagine, from a tiny baby to the oldest crone. Right. And everyone was <laughs> cheering 
And it wasn't like, you know, when we saw um, Spider Man together? Yes. And people were just cheering for like bullshit, where yes. it was like, I'm actually something of a scientist myself. And people were like, whoa. It was such an unearned experience. Yeah. This, there was so much cheering. And every time it was an elation of like feeling like this is truly earned spectacle. Yeah. And you, I, you just see some of the most in- unbelievable imagery in this film that is so just creative. Like, Hamo, there's a part in this movie oh, I can't I can't even tell you but it was as excited as I felt from the first time I saw Kung Fu Hustle and yeah. stuff like that where it's just the most exciting action and wildly entertaining stuff and it, it, like there's a, a scene in it there's battle sequences in it that are just wild but there's a shot where an arrow goes through and gets stuck and just before it hits someone's head gets stuck in a tree next to them and then someone pushes them into the arrow so oh, they get right. hit by the arrow even though it missed them <laughs> it's just and that's just one little thing where I was like wow I've never seen that before but you see like hundreds of things you've never seen before uh, you know you probably don't remember this but you called me a couple of days after you'd seen it mm. and you essentially uh, raved about it and also did what you just did then, which was, uh, I can't remember mm. if it was the same scene or it was a different scene, but you went to describe a scene and yeah. you said, no, I can't do it. Yeah. You just have to see it. You have to see it. Uh, I definitely need to see that. It's got so much good buzz. Mm. And uh, once again, I'm always uh, I'm always excited to see a film that people yeah. feel, I think the key word is, the one that you used earlier, which is elated. Yeah, it's really, it's fun. I wish more people got to see in the cinema. I, and I, I'll cherish it till my last day that I saw it on the big screen with a yeah. huge audience. Because I think that feels like a rare experience for a lot of people now that this film has been so beloved and cherished since then. Yeah, I do think, uh, you know, sometimes when you hear people going like... Uh, you know, watching blockbusters from the uh, from you know yesteryear mm. and saying, "Oh, it wasn't that ex- exciting." It's like uh, maybe if you'd been with a whole lot of people, you would have uh, had a different uh, yeah. vibe on that film. So, uh, my number seven is *Parallel Mothers* by Pedro Almodovar. Oh wow, this is my number film last year because I saw it at Sydney Film Festival. Oh yeah, I loved it, loved it, loved it, yeah. loved it. My number one. Uh, it, it it was at the Sydney Film Festival and then didn't get released mm. until. Much later, yeah. uh, it's about two single women who meet in a hospital room where they are both uh, about to give birth. Uh, one is a middle-aged woman played by Penelope Cruz, and she doesn't regret anything that's about to happen, while the second lady, who is uh, it's um, uh, Melina Smith, uh, is much younger and scared, and they develop a strong bond as they both confront motherhood. But it, it's... Um, Part of the joy of this film is you kind of mm. can't talk about it in a, in a way because it, it's it, it's it's telling a story yeah. and then there's another story. Oh and, man! And I will forever be uh, bowing at the feet of our Moldavar. Yeah. Uh, I I was very young when I got introduced to his films and, mm, and I saw too. Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown and yeah. Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down in one yeah. night, uh, but. Uh, Penelope Cruz was one of those actors that I didn't have an opinion on and then I saw her in in Volma and I was like, oh, right. And she's become one of my favourite actors and I think uh, this film is beautiful. He truly is my hero. I love Pedro. He's like one of my greatest cinematic heroes of all time. Yeah. Um, And this... 
I cannot believe it because Pain and Glory came out a couple of years ago. I was like, whoa, that's one of his best movies he's ever made. The yeah. guy is back on top, yeah. like in a huge way. Parallel Mothers maybe even eclipses that form. Yeah, I know. I feel the same way. And I just think that this is a really, really powerful movie. It does what he does best, where it is something that I think is unique to him, where he mm. can mix melodrama with so many other elements so well and so many other cinematic elements. But I think this one, it's kind of the way that you described it that I think nails it, where it is these threads that are quite disparate that come together in a really fascinating way. And uh, not to say too much about this, but I think that... This film deals with something that's such in my family history as well in a different kind of way, which is like these ideas of like civil wars and atrocities Mm. and stuff. And uh, it is the most powerful I've ever seen that generational trauma directly related to something like that and something that I feel uh, displayed so powerfully and so evocatively and so well in a very simple way. Yeah. And uh, I found really... Like, I remember seeing this movie. I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't know that this no. was going to write the Spanish Civil War at all. Yeah. Um, and then calling my mum to tell her about it the next day. And my mum just started crying from me telling right. her about it. Because like, she wouldn't... My mum, I don't think, even had a chance to see this movie yet. Right. Um, but just me telling it to her, she just, like, felt everything. And she's a big Pedro fan as well. Yeah. Yeah, but I just think this is this would be like my number one movie of the decade probably so far. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, I won't tell you, it. it there was a, a particularly... Uh, stressful beginning to 2022 for me not uh you know a lot of things going on around me that i had to deal with and i saw three movies uh in a row over the course of uh like i think it was like six days yeah this was one of them i'll mention the next two uh because they are coming up but uh this was one of three films that i saw in a small span of time that i saw all three by myself and i walked out of the cinema each time just kind of buzzing with mm. with electricity I, I felt so good about it wow wow uh, what's your number six Alexi my next one this could be my number one I adored this movie I saw it at the Melbourne International Film Festival I believe you can stream it now as well it's been uh, it played all the film festivals in Australia and now I think it, it also had a small release here um, it's called The Quiet Girl it's a Gaelic film oh yes and my lord, I just loved this movie so much. Yeah. I'm going to read you a little synopsis because it's so simple. Yeah. A quiet, neglected girl is sent away from her dysfunctional family to live with relatives for the summer. She blossoms in their care, but in this house where there are meant to be no secrets, she discovers one. And a secret is pretty... It's like... It's just delivered so smallly and so simply. Yeah. It's not like a dark secret. It's a yeah. secret that is complex but what makes it so beautiful and so moving is uh i really am drawn to these kinds of films where it captures a child's perspective really well yeah and this is something that this quiet observing child she kind of gets glimpses of the adults world around her and slowly understands things right and this just I, this was a salty-faced movie for me where I just watched it just wet with tears. <laughs> and I saw it with uh, an acquaintance at the um, 
Melbourne Film Festival is a film critic, Jared Richards. And we don't know each other very well, but he's he's from Sydney. We're like, oh, yeah, do you want to sit with me? We sat with each other. And just staring at each other at the end of the movie, just both of us like in tears. Just right. really, really moved by this. Um, just, I think it's just so great. I, just, I think it's such a beautiful, beautiful movie. It is. Um, I only know one other person who has seen this film and they are as rapturous as yeah. you are. And uh, the, the, the description of the film is... Oh. Unbelievable, and I'm I'm really excited to. It's, it's actually my friend uh, Annie Lidner who yeah. who saw it, and uh, I about halfway through <laughs> describing the film to me because, of course, she's trying yeah. to be oblique about it. Yeah, uh, it was like, "Hey, you're going to be okay." Yeah, <laughs> but she was so overwhelmed with emotion. It really, and it's and when I I it's this. The way I'm trying to describe it, it's a very warm movie. And yeah. It's like just the warmth of these emotions that you feel. It's really, really beautiful. I, I'm, I, I, every time I talk about it, I am lost for words. Like, I yeah. think this is such a great film. And how often do you get to see a movie in Gaelic, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my um, my uh, partner's mother is Irish right. uh, from Ireland. And uh, we just keep talking about this movie all the time. And my right. partner still hasn't seen it. Oh, it's really? It's like, oh, it's so good. But I don't know it's... if I'm ready to just watch it again. So Right. Yeah. That's funny, isn't it? Sometimes a movie can be so sublime and mm. it's like, ah, but not, not just yet. I'm just not ready. I just yeah. Think, but it is so good. I really... This is the one movie that I really really compelled a listener to check out yeah. especially now that it is on like your itunes or whatever whatever yeah. you stream at home yeah this is a really beautiful movie and i just really compel everyone because it's not that well known but i think it's just so so good it could have been my number one yeah it really could have been yeah you got to get it out there mm. it's, it, this is i think this is the part of yeah. uh what a what a critic should do is uh give give uh, a level of opinions mm. that even if people don't always agree with your yeah. opinions, they understand where you're coming from yeah. so they can, you know, like th- that was the great thing about David Stratton and Margaret mm. Pomerantz. There were some movies I, weren't gonna, I wasn't going to listen to them on because yeah. I knew it wasn't their style. But the other thing is shining a light on films that yeah. people don't know about. That's so. it. And I feel like that's my mission on earth is help to introduce people to the movies that they'll love forever. And I actually cannot see people not loving this movie. Yeah. So please, please, please watch it. Yeah. The uh, Quiet Girl. I'll say it again just in case you didn't write it down. The Quiet Girl. The Quiet Girl. And then we'll go over our uh, <laughs> top 10 at the end just as a reminder. Uh, so coming in at number six for me is Decision to Leave. I loved this movie. Yeah. I loved this movie. I'm a big Park Chan-wook fan. Oh, man. His film, uh, latest film is about a detective investigating a man's death in the mountains and uh, ends up not only meeting but developing feelings for the dead man's mysterious mm-hmm. wife. Once again, like there's so many of these films... That's all you need to know. Yeah. That's all you need to think about. If you for love the Hitchcock, if you love Vertigo, yeah. you will freaking. This movie is so cool. I think yep. it's the best uh, 21st century Hitchcockian style, like the way yep. to update yep. the style of storytelling, the kind of uh, melodramatic thriller yep. uh, with the same kind of devices as Hitchcock, but modernized. Like yep. the way this film uses like uh, iPhone faces and yes. iWatches and stuff, it's like, to me, that was exciting, that aesthetic. Oh yeah, and uh, it was it was different to the way Hollywood does it. Um, uh, uh, Park Hae Il is uh, fantastic in the lead role, mm. uh, uh, but uh, Tang Wee is out of oh control. Oh my god, that performance! Like, yeah, it 
it's it's stunning. And That's probably my favorite performance of the year by Tang Wei. Yeah. I think it is so good. The last time most people would have seen her would have been Last Caution, the oh, yeah. uh, Ang Lee yep. film. Yep. She is so cool in this movie. And uh, one of the as someone who loves cinema, uh, one of the things I have noticed uh, in 2022 is people have. Uh, been a bit annoying at the cinema because mm. for a while there, people were so wrapped to be back. Everyone was in yeah. good manners and yeah. uh, good spirits. But this was another weird cinematic experience where uh, I had someone come in uh, uh, like an hour and a half into the movie and watch 20 minutes of it and oh. leave and, and two couples oh behind God. me left yeah. 10 minutes before the film ended and, yeah. I, and I still loved it. So. I think the couple behind Roisin and I also left during this movie and it was just like, whoa, like, what the... Like, what, 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 what were you thinking was happening? What yeah. Were you, yeah, what's happening here? All right, let's take a little bit of a break and mm-hmm. uh, we'll come back with our next uh, top five films. But uh, just before we do, uh, we have not crossed over yet. Uh, no, close though. We've come close. Good year for cinema. Yeah, exactly. All right, we'll be back just after this break. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, we are back and we are about to launch into our top five or favourite five films mm-hmm. of 2022. Uh, Alexi, would you like to tell me what your number five is? This could be our first match. Okay. Uh, this was a movie that I saw and I underrated, mm-hmm. I think. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. But then I just rewatched it a few days ago and I do declare that this movie is a masterpiece. Yes, right. Uh, Jordan Peele's latest film, Nope. It's in my... You know what? I reckon... So, I nearly rewatched it a couple of days mm. ago. And Damn, if you I, had, I haven't. I and I reckon it would have... It would have squeezed into my yeah. top ten. It could have soared up to your number one, I reckon. Mate, it's in my, it's in my honourable mentions. I think that this is a fantastic movie. Yeah. I think it's maybe one of the best... Alien films ever. Yeah, I I cannot. I feel so guilty for uh, kind of underrating it when I first saw it. So and by underrating it, I thought it was fantastic. But now it is like, oh my god, I didn't even appreciate what I had. Yes. So do, uh, do you want to describe it for anyone who may not have seen it? Yes. So Nope is Lay's film from uh, one of the new great auteurs of horror genre cinema, Jordan Peele. 
Uh, residents in a lonely gulch of inland California bear witness to an uncanny, chilling discovery, which is basically a flying UFO yeah. uh, thing that they are witnessing in the sky. Yeah. Uh, it's also wrapped up in um, the social commentary that we love from Jordan, Jordan Peele, Peele so yeah. much, where it's a genre-infused social commentary with a little bit of horror comedy to it. Yeah. And uh, I think that he is a master. I remember seeing Get Out uh, and just being totally blown away by it. And then seeing us, and I feel like he's such a, a a filmmaker that's so important to me. Developing my being able to talk about movies, yeah, because these movies hit at each time where something I needed to kind of grapple with each time. And the first one, Get Out, I think is the definitive film of the 2010s. Yeah, I think is the number one definitive film, most important film of the 2010s. When Us came out, the reaction to that movie, I think people had an idea of what his films were meant to be and it right. defied those expectations. Yeah. Whereas Get Out is a small, enclosed jigsaw puzzle film that yeah. is so tightly... Manuf- like so tightly put together mm. and so easy to understand that I think Us being this bigger, broader horror genre film uh with where the where everything is tight in get out everything is big and broad and speculative in us mm. and i think nope evolves what we think of his films even further where i didn't even really understand everything that it was the first time i saw yeah. it and now catching up with it again it is the spectacle and i think what i really love about it is i really thought this was going to be you know, I was like, this is going to be his Spielberg take. It's going to be his yes. Close Encounters of Third Kind. It did not enter my brain until I'm sitting in the cinema that this whole movie is Jaws. Yeah. And I think it is, so, I think it's just as good as Jaws. Like, right. I think it's such a freaking great movie. Jean Jacket, which is the UFO, is one yep. of the great creations. Yeah. And this score, mixing Wonder with the West, is pure genius to me. Yeah. I think this is great, 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 great movie. Maybe even my favourite Jordan Peele movie. Some uh, phenomenal performances. Uh, Daniel Mm. Kaluuya, it's fantastic. Kiki Palmer is great. I think Kiki Palmer could win the Oscar. Uh, I think she's fantastic in this movie. uh, Steven Yeun is kind of almost underrated Mm -hmm. in the film. Uh, So this is one of the rare times that I have seen a movie by myself and been furious because I desperately wanted to talk about it with someone. Yeah. And uh, I was like you. I really enjoyed it. Could not, uh, in all honesty, tell you that I picked up on mm. everything to begin with. And I really want to rewatch it uh, to, uh, you know, now that I've done some reading about it. Yeah. And some, like, I was. <laughs> like I was listening to a, a goddamn podcast uh, yeah. talking about the film at 11 o'clock at night with my headphones on because thinking oh well if someone sneaks up on me and murders me it's fine yeah. as long as I pick up on some of the imagery that was going on and, yeah. and you know what these things meant um, it was fantastic I, I really enjoyed this a lot yeah. the uh, the UFO is great and um, all the the, the opening uh, scene is one of the most uh, mesmerising opening mm. scenes I've seen to a movie in a long yes. time. And uh, once again, I was really close to re-watching it on the weekend. And if oh. I had, I reckon it probably would have jumped Oh my God, my how many, did you get a new TV? 
I did. It's humongous. You got to watch it on 4K because that's what I rewatched it on, and it just made me a wow. We we had this conversation last time you were here. Remember, wow. I said I uh, I don't know if, if I get yeah. a big TV, then you know eventually I'll move. And you were like, dude, you just get some big guys to do it. And yeah. I went, oh, you know what? That's a really good point, Alexi. That's it. Because yeah. it's not you're gonna you're not the one carrying the TV. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, that's see. I think seeing Nope at home yeah. on my big ass TV with my yeah. great sound system. Yeah, just let me appreciate it. Really yeah. did. Like I think it's sometimes when it's a director you love, you put. Uh, it's, Ex- expectations yeah. that don't exist onto a film. Yeah. Like I see, I didn't really watch trailers. I'm like, oh, well, what would I want his UFO movie to be yes. like? Yeah. And then it's not that because yeah. it doesn't, that movie doesn't even exist. Yeah. And then I watch his, watched Nope again. I'm like, oh God, it's just so it's good. So freaking, it's a great, great movie. I think it's yeah. a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, okay, so number five, and uh, maybe this film, you may have seen it uh, mm-hmm. the year before, but uh, I didn't get to see it until last year, was Drive My Car. Mm, yeah. Uh, did you see that the year before? Yeah, I also saw that Sydney, Sydney Film Festival, Festival the year before. Yeah. Um, great film. A Japanese drama about a theatre director who is producing a multilingual production of Uncle Vanya while dealing with the death of his wife. Uh he has glaucoma and the production company that he's working for insists he has a driver for insurance reasons and over time he bonds with his reserved young driver. Uh, the lead actor, uh, Hidetoshi Nishijima, is mesmerising. I could not take my eyes off him. This was a three-hour movie about grief and I sat in a cinema that it was... Amazing the use of and the the amazing use of audio, specifically yeah. it not being used, and uh, you know, and there was a guy next to me who, bless his socks, had a never-ending box of popcorn that <laughs> I was thinking this has to end because so this good. is a three-hour film, and he managed to make it last the whole three hours. Wow. And a big shout out to whoever that dude is, wow. but even with. Captain Crunch next to me, I was mesmerised by this film. This was... uh, I left a pretty stressful day at work and I unwound by watching this three-hour meditation on grief. Yeah, I adore this movie, Hamo. Yeah. I recently just bought the Criterion Blu-ray because I want to rewatch yeah, it. Yeah, right. Um, I saw it at the Sydney Film Festival and it was an early morning session and I was like, oh, it's three hours... Uh, but I guess I won't see it if I don't go now. And yeah. I was just, oh, I just was enveloped in this movie. And I think that what is, to me, the power of this movie and the power of this runtime, uh, and you know, I'm an advocate for the 90-minute runtime, but this is something that understands how a story unfolds so well. Yep. The first almost full hour of this movie would traditionally be known as... The opening, the inciting incident of an any other film, where mate, it would be uh, the first ten minutes of the film. Mate, the credits fucking kick in at the forty-five minute mark, and that is that's <laughs> it. That's the backstory of the film. And for most films, the film begins at those credits. Yeah. but you get that backstory, and it just yeah, every that is so essential to the experience of this yes. film yes. to experience the backstory. Yeah, I think it's just it is a very rare, rare movie, and yeah. I that same year twenty. 21 when I caught up with uh, I'd not seen any of uh, Reisuke Hamaguchi's films before right but then I also he released another film that year as well The Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy yes which is an anthology of short films 
which I'm I, dying to check it's now. It's really great. Yeah. I saw that in the cinema as well. It's yeah. just fantastic. Yeah. Um, that one, I believe, is accessible as well now via like at least Criterion Channel. If people have a subscription to that, yeah. um, it is really great. And a few of these other movies, they're all quite long. Yeah. But that's a f- those are the first two that I've seen and I cannot wait to keep going further. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm definitely keen to check that, uh, that one that you just mentioned out as well. Uh, and that was the first. So when I saw those three films, that was the first mm. one I saw. And Parallel Mothers was the third one. Yeah, and great. We got the second one coming up. Oof, okay. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. What's uh, what's number four for you? Uh, the next film is a film that I know a lot of people love. It's Everything Everywhere All at Once. Number four for me number as well. Number four for you too. Fucking... Well, we can discuss it together now. This has worked out well. Yeah. Um, I uh, really <laughs> like this movie a lot, seeing in the cinema that first time. Um, it was especially, I think... Because at that time, there was a glut of like, this IP blandness that we were talking about. Yes. And especially for seeing people that listen to Total Reboot and stuff. And a lot of them were subjecting themselves to seeing Sonic 2. Yeah. And seeing um, uh, the freaking Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them 3 or yep. whatever. <laughs> and I was just like, what are you doing? So I remember just when this movie came out, I had to go really hard. Because I wanted to inspire people to see some great movies that might slip them by. Yeah. Um, what... I think this movie and maybe what you and I will probably relate to so much is like these intergenerational conflicts that we struggle through with family, especially with parents and grandparents carried a weight of feeling like mythological clashes. Yeah. And I don't think any movie has been able to capture that struggle in such in a way that I find captures that essence so well yeah that this that the struggles you have with the family and your ancestors like your parents your grandparents the weight of those is so powerful and strong even the smallest conflict and so superficial just feels like such a burden and such like a like a such an all-encompassing thing and the way that this film captures that by turning it into like this this full force uh of science fiction fantasy yeah I, it worked really well. And there are things in this movie that I don't love. Like there's a lot of stuff that I find perhaps cringy or whatever. Like some of the humor doesn't quite work for me. But I think overall, I think that this is a really spectacular movie. Um, and it's so imaginative. And uh, I think that maybe this is something that I talked to you that uh, when it first came out. So the Daniels have such a great understanding of who Michelle Yeoh is. Yes. And setting her up using her exquisite acting talents to be like this sad person of this sad existence this and a lot of anger in them a lot of frustration and then we have this moment where we see the real Michelle Yeoh yeah. who is like one of the great actors a huge megastar yeah. an action heroine uh, that everyone has some kind of connection to to tap into that movie stardom very literally um, I found like to be a genius move, a stroke of genius. Yeah, she is uh, so good. She gets to play lots of very uh, uh, different iterations of the same character. Mm. Uh, sometimes she's a movie star. Sometimes she's a, a, a just a owner of a dry cleaning place. Uh, sometimes she's an action star. Uh, she is so good. She's just won Best Actress mm. for Musical or Comedy in uh, at the Golden Globes earlier today. And Ki Hai Kwan also won Best, won Supporting, for Actor. Best Supporting Actor. I watched his speech 
I cried watching it. Mate, uh, the, the moment where it becomes, uh, you know, in the mood for love, mm. which we'll talk about later, uh, was so beautiful. And he, yeah. he goes from being hilarious to the most handsome man in the world to yeah. just... It, I thought it Great was wonderful, and 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 you know, people who listen to this podcast don't need to hear me bang on about this again because let's leave that behind. But taking a, a concept mm. and exploring it to its nth degree is exactly what you should do with these kind of high concepts. Yeah. And these are the kinds of films that, like I sat in the cinema, and it was like sitting in a comedy in in the nineties. Like people yeah. were laughing so loud. People were so into it and then you would have these moments of absolute silence where people were overwhelmed with emotion and then it would become so silly again and then it would... It, I, I think it's a pretty extraordinary mm. film and yeah. uh, if anything, it is... Um, you know, I, I, I've started to see a little bit of pushback to it. Yeah. And, that's, uh, and I think that's disappointing because it doesn't deserve it. I understand it though because I think that... I was so overwhelmed by the experience of watching the first time that I just loved it, loved it, loved it. Yeah. And then when I rewatched it, it just works for me still. Yeah. But I think that there's so many elements in it that when I'm not with them, yeah. I find quite uh just they just seem odd or seem cringy or something. I don't really know how to say it, but one of the things is weird seeing that James that the, somewhat of a push for Jamie Lee Curtis to have a Best Supporting Actress nomination. Right. So I think it's a horrible performance and I love her my whole life and I just don't think that she works in the movie. And maybe horrible is a strong word, but I think that there's just... There's things like that that just stick out to me that kind of has not... I still love this movie. I still put yeah. it in my top area of my top list. But it's just those things that just kind of stop me from still having this enveloped love for this film. So can I... So I wasn't going to bring this up, yeah. right? Because I just also... To be honest, I, I tried to bring it up once in a conversation yeah. with someone and the person looked at me as if I was speaking in wingdings. But you've touched on something. Yeah. And uh, I, don't, I don't think it's a horrible performance. Yeah. But I think she knows she's doing a performance. Yes. And it's compared to everyone else who is... Yeah. In the moment, I feel like she knows she's in the moment. Mm. Yeah, and it's that is, odds. and she's the she is the 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 mildest of weak weak links for me. And because she's such a caricature and not real, mm. in those moments where in alternate timelines where she's a more significant character, mm. um, I don't buy them. Yeah, and I think that's to the detriment of this film. Yeah, and I love Jamie Lee Curtis my whole life. Yeah, I think she's an all star. Yeah, uh, but it's just those things like that. There's just like little moments, and the further I am away from the movie, the more weight that those have in pulling it down for me. Yeah, but I think it's really great. I don't want any of my words to detract from other people's experience. Of no, this no, no. Movie but it's well. but it's you know it's not like saying... people are crazy about this film. Like yeah. I really love it, but yeah. people are a bit nutty about this film in a way that I'm like okay I'm glad that you're excited about this yeah but also still keep you know exploring as well it's it's, it's good though because it, it came out of nowhere yeah. and it's you know like thank god they're not nutty about 
movies you know. that aren't good. Exactly. Like, you know, <laughs> Spider-Man was the uh, the one the other year. Or Doctor was Strange like, was the yeah, film exactly. for me. But you it's know. just like, you know, I'm glad that people are more, really excited about this one. Yeah. I think it's a great freaking movie. Well, it's great that we finally uh, landed on a film at exactly the same point. Yeah. So that's very funny. Fire. Um, all right. What's your number three then? My next film on my list uh, is... A surprise for me. This was a really, really big surprise. I won't say too much about it because I think it is best uh, viewed going in colds. Um, it is a horror movie called Barbarian. So I was, uh, I just saw that you can watch it on Disney. Yeah. Plus, and I literally saw it last late last night. So you watched it? No, no, no. I haven't watched oh, okay. it yet. Uh, but I am keen. I knew absolutely nothing about this going in. I knew uh, the the slightest premise there was like an Airbnb horror film. That's all I know. That someone has booked an Airbnb, they go to the door, it's locked, but someone's inside. Yeah. And that's all I knew about it going in. And I had the best freaking time with yep. this movie. I got to see with a bunch of friends uh, at an early screening and it was just such a joy to watch it's so deliciously structured and delightfully executed it's this film that rewards in surprises and this first act builds in genuine fear and uncertainty and then kind of what follows it are gifts of horror excess with wonderfully balanced humor. Great. And I just thought it was great by a comedian Zach Kreger right um, who was in a sketch group what were they called? Because I remember I used to like them. I remember I heard him on like he's a podcast back in the day. Uh, the whitest kids you know, right? And they were just kind of like a millennial sketch group when I was like you know also like twenty two, twenty three. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it's weird to see that he's kind of trying to do a bit of maybe a Jordan Peele thing of yeah. like doing a kind of Sam Raimi esque horror yeah. film. It's really I really really enjoyed this movie a lot. I actually can't wait to see it again to see how it works knowing full well where the directions it goes. Right. Uh, another film that uh, people, are, when they've seen it, are very keen to tell you that you should see it and then mm. at exactly the same time seem very frustrated that they can't talk about it. Yeah, it's cool, but I just think people should discover it, especially now, like you said, it's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Uh, might have to watch during the day. Remember when you uh, said... Uh, you should check out Hereditary because I'm a yeah. bit of a wimp when it comes yeah, to horror yeah. films. And uh, and then I was... Uh, I watched that during the day. Yeah. And then, you know, spent a little bit too much time reminding myself that I am a grown-up yeah. that night. This one is... <laughs> I love Hereditary. This one is more fun. Yeah. You'll be laughing quite yeah. a bit more than Hereditary. Yeah. I, like... Um, Hereditary was so full on that I feel like if I saw Tony Collette in the streets, I'd have to probably change underwear. <laughs> uh, my number three is Moon Age Daydream, the Brett Morgan film about David Bowie covering his uh, creative, spiritual and musical journey. Uh, one of the things going into this film was that uh, I thought it might be a little bit upsetting mm. as a fan to watch it. And uh, early on, I was sitting in the cinema thinking, oh, this might be a little bit overwhelming. Uh, it was anything but. Uh, I thought it was a, an incredible celebration. Uh, I loved the way that it told the story, how it kind of moved in a linear fashion, but was also non-linear in where it was taking all of its, uh, uh, you know, 
uh, information from. So, you know, you might be talking about 1972, but there's imagery from 1983 and there's him talking from 2016, uh, from 2013, mm. you know, placed over it. Uh, it gave it that sense of um, time being a construct and therefore uh, everything kind of being eternal. You kind of went on this, uh, I hate the use of the term, but you, you go on a bit of a journey of the creative side of it. Each time I saw it, I came out supercharged creatively, mm. like really supercharged. Wow, wow, wow. And it was a it was a, a beautiful reminder of why I was a and, and still am a big fan of uh, the great man. Uh, also, you know, it gets even more votes because it doesn't have talking heads in it. Like mm. it doesn't have you know some guy from Spandau Ballet telling me why. David Bowie is important to him. It's yeah. like, it doesn't matter. Like People know. Like, you, you know, he, Gary Kemp doesn't need to be in it. I don't need to be in it. Nobody yeah. needs to be in it. Just let's let's see it the way that it plays out. Um, the uh, I, I took a friend to see it who nearly had a nervous breakdown during the cocaine-fueled era because it really is overwhelming for the senses because mm. it really feels like you're on coke while you're watching it. Um, but... Uh, you know, uh, over the years, I've been critical of the David Bowie estate, yeah. feeling like they've been gouging fans for money. And uh, this is, uh, you know, if it, that, I feel like they've made some mistakes, but yeah. this is one of the good ones. And I was lucky oh, enough yeah. to interview Brett Morgan, and he yeah. was a delight. If anyone is interested in how they made the film, he is putting stuff up on his Twitter oh, cool. ca- account, uh, including uh, there was one bit of footage where, because it was in an arena, but the sound was thin, mm. they, uh, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, but they took that audio and played it in an empty arena with oh. 12 mics to record it so they could get the reverb to make it sound That's amazing. So cool. And the colour saturation. Uh, I know uh, there's, there's repeated imagery Mm. And, the, and, and I love that because it gives it that sense, once again, of it uh, being an eternal story and, and yeah. something that uh, uh, comes back in on itself and, and the, the message to it is positive. So that's wow. my number three. Oh, I'm so jealous. I missed this at every chance I had to see it. And there were a few movies. Another film that also, same scenario, missed it every time I got, I would love to recommend to you, is called Fire of Love. Um, and it's also a documentary that does not use talking heads. Yep. That is coming up by one of our uh, listeners. Oh, great. So, yeah. Uh, what's your number two? Number two is a really wonderful movie that I'm not sure if you've seen, but I will hope that you will see it. Um, it's by the filmmaker Koganada. Uh, it's called After Yang. Uh, and no, I haven't. You've but got to you see know, this one. So, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but um, we were meant to see it together, and I had to pull oh my out God, to you to work. Yeah, yeah, I remember because it was the last session that they yeah. were playing, and like, I was like, "Oh, I really want to see yes, this movie." And yeah, I, yes. And I went. I went to the last session without you. Yeah. Um, and it's great, is it? It's really great. And we'd forgotten. I've been meaning to ask you about it so yeah. this is perfect um oh basically the premise of this film it is one of the three tremendous colin farrell performances that came about in 2022 um this is a very small science fiction film mm. uh that is in a near future where uh Couples, when they adopt children, uh, it, it's kind of asked this speculative question of like, 
when couples adopt children from different ethnicities and heritages to connect the child with a heritage that their parents can't really give them, they raise their children with an older sibling who is of that heritage and holds a wealth of infinite encyclopedic knowledge of that heritage right uh, which is in the form of an android right so it's an older sibling but it's actually an android right and Yang is the android in this family who uh, holds the fount of Chinese knowledge and uh, for their Chinese child and Yang malfunctions and stops working right and so it what I found so powerful about this movie, because I love science fiction cinema, and I, but I have a very hard, I judge them quite hardly, I would say, right. because um, science fiction has had one theme for most of its existence, which is like two hundred years now, and it's a stale theme, which is what is it to be human? Right, and so many films still ponder this theme as if it is the first thoughts to have had this but this has been the theme by and large in science fiction since Frankenstein and earlier yeah and it's something that I just find so annoying like even Blade Runner 2049 when I saw that in the cinema yeah and it has these slow ponderous moments of like what is it to be human like I could give a fuck mate why are you slow the original Blade Runner is not slow and you're being (laughs) slow about the thing that no one needs to think about I've since rewatched and I really like that movie now but uh, one of the two films that I uh, first I watched on the massive TV, yeah. And so this film is so refreshing in the way that tackles it because it's not what is it to be human. It's like it's so specific as to be what is it to be Chinese and like mm. what is it to be connected to your heritage. Mm. And it just moved me so much. And I think making that theme about this cultural perspective is a genius genius move yeah and i think that this is probably my favorite science fiction film i've seen in like the last you know two decades wow like i think it's really fantastic great and but i've not re-watched it this is yeah. one that i'm like almost too scared to rewatch. right but i just think it's really great it's my favorite of the three colin farrell performances um of last year alongside banshees of inishirin and the Batman. Oh, he's so much fun in the Batman. He's great in the yeah. Batman. He's great in the Masters of Inisherin. But yeah. I really like him in this movie. Koganada, great filmmaker. He started as a video essayist. Yep. Um, and now he's made this film in Columbus. And both films also star um, Haley Lou Richardson, yep. who is in the White Lotus season two as well. Uh, great actor. I think she is so. On, which, oh, phenomenal. she's the. Um, she's the young assistant to fuck, Jennifer Coolidge. She's so good. Yeah, she is so good. She's really, really great actor, and she's great in both these two films. But yep. Columbus, especially, she's yep. amazing in that movie. Yeah. All right. But after Yang, I, people should check it out. I believe it is accessible now on like maybe even on binge. Yeah, or something. I, I saw it. Um, it's on binge. It, it, it popped up. Yeah. But I will also say this: binge can be your friend. It can be your foe, uh, the streaming service in Australia binge, because uh, of the way that Foxtel has their deal, harkening back to yeah. uh, it's TV, to yeah. like cable TV, where everything is sped up like point like point five percent or something like that, so they could fit more ads back into cable TV days. Right. For some reason, binge still uses that. So movies run a little tiny bit imperceptibly sped up. 
And a movie that's so slowly paced like After Yang, it could be your foe watching it on there. Might so, be worth just paying for. But yeah, so I've got Foxtel. I know I sound like I'm... Mm, but Foxtel I've, will have the same problem. Damn. Yes, it's true. It is true. This, I'm sorry to tell people this. Does that happen with TV shows as well? Yes, everything. Everything. Because TV shows, if you look at it, most TV shows, they run for 22 minutes if you're watching a sitcom. Yes. Dot, on the dot, 22 minutes. On binge, they're 21 minutes. Oh, man. And so this is this is something that I'm very... Because sometimes I go, well, it's on binge. I want to watch it because I want to spend less time watching it. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes it is your friend. Sometimes it is your phone. Yeah, right. But the first time I noticed it was when Chirons were coming up on screen and it, like titles. Yeah. Title cards came up on screen in a very odd way. I go, this is wrong. Right. And I could tell because they've changed the... They've changed, changed it. They've changed the speed. It's sped up slightly. <sighs> it's great when you're on the binge and just yeah. want to watch shit and get yeah. out of the way, but... If you want to watch a special movie, yeah, and really, it might not be the way to go. But if you're seeing Glass Onion at three o'clock and you don't have enough time to watch Knives Out, but if you're watching a, a move a version that's like six minutes shorter on binge, it was perfect. <laughs> it was ready to go. It was perfect. You know what? I I was on the fence about the Murdochs, but now, mm. now, now, now I've turned. It can't be your go-to <laughs> streaming service, but if you've got it, it can be very helpful to jump to it every now and then. <laughs> All right. Well, it's funny that you should mention after Yang uh, and Colin Farrell because number two is the Banshees of Inisherin for me, mm-hmm. which I oh my god, I just spilled water all over me. I know that it is a worthy choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I loved it. Me too. Uh, on a remote island off the coast of Ireland, Patrick is d- devastated when his buddy Colm suddenly puts an end to their lifelong relationship. It I've I've seen it a couple of times mm. now. Uh, I just just. I loved it the first time, uh, but where I saw it was the uh, Palace Cinema Chevelle, mm. and there was <laughs> there was like a disco or something going Whoa. through, and I was hyper focused, loving this film. But the second time I watched it, it's heaps better when you don't have an ABBA song mm. in the background. <laughs> you know, um, uh, the, I think the uh, two lead performances are spectacular. Yeah. And of time. course, they're spectacular. But I think they are equally matched mm. by Kerry Condon as the sister. Oh, I great. I think she is as good as anyone in this film. Uh, and Joker's great in it too. Barry Keehan. Yeah. Mate, it is. He is. One twitch away from that whole thing unraveling. Mm. He he is pitch perfect, and it's such a you know it's one of those films where you sit there and I kind of get both sides of yeah. the argument, and and I think there is uh, there is something very interesting to take away from it as well, mm. and and to really think about uh, like. It, 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 it followed me into the real world, you know, in how you treat people, how you uh, should have uh, empathy towards people. And it also ins- made me think, fucking do your best to always be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lesson from both of them, you yeah. know. But um, a, a, a really funny film that turns really horribly pear shaped. And, you know, towards the end, I had moments of. Absolute dread, and it, it, it's just—it's just not a easy story to tell. It, it, it's all the characters feel so real. 
Yeah. Um, so uh, I thought it was stunning. It might be might be my favorite of the McDonough films. Yeah, I think it's his best film. Yeah, I think, I think so it's too. a re- I think it's great. It's so delightfully gloomy. Yeah, uh, and I think it's a wonderful movie. Yeah. Uh, what's your number one? Number one is a movie I've been very lucky to see a few times this year. Um, it is a movie called The Stranger by Thomas M. Wright. In my um, in my shout outs. Yeah, yeah. I um, I think that this is truly a masterpiece, this film. This yep. is a fantastic experience uh, like nothing else. Um, this is... How, how will I even describe what this movie is? It is an Australian crime thriller, yep. but unlike one you've ever seen before. It's a yep. very thoughtful, meditative film um, uh, that is based in part on the true crime... Uh, the disappearance of Daniel Morecambe and the uh, undercover sting operation to catch his killer. And this was a story I grew up with because I'm the same age as Daniel Morecambe. And I would see his posters uh, on the side of the highway every summer holiday. He was someone who was always in my thoughts. And I didn't even know that this was film was related to him going in. Oh, right. And, you know, his name's not used. It's yep. slightly fictionalized. Yeah. But there was a moment where I realized it was this story and I hadn't even read about the sting operation because I was too overwhelmed. And yep. there was a moment of like kind of making that realization that I just was kind of floored by this film. Um, this is one of the most thoughtful films I've ever seen. And every... Every ounce of that director's creativity, Thomas M. Wright, goes into the empathy of this movie. Yeah. The performance by Joel Edgerton is one of his best, maybe I think his best. I think, I think he's I, never been better. And I love Joel Edgerton. Me too. Like, yeah. I, I idolize him. Yeah. And uh, the scene with... And Sean Harris, of course, is... Sean Harris, he won the Actor yeah. Award for Best Supporting Actor in Australia yeah. for this film. Yeah. And he gives one of the most fascinating, terrifying performances. Yes. But also, on a technical level, his Australian accent is imperceptible. It's is spot spot on for amazing. what he's doing. Like amazing. it's amazing. And uh, the scene uh, where uh, I won't go into it for people who haven't seen it, but when the two of them end up back at his place mm. is honestly one of the creepiest scenes I've seen in any film. Yeah. And it reminded me of like when I was younger and I, I try to explain this to people. If you've never had this experience, um, you, you don't, it's, it's hard to kind of get across, but you can end up in moments mm. with people where they're being kind of friendly mm. and kind of in their eyes quite open and sweet. Yeah. But because they are so odd, you suddenly realise this is a bad place for me to be and mm. I need to get out of it, whether it's at a bar, at, at a house or just in a conversation with someone. And it really creeped the fuck out of me. I was on the verge of a panic attack. Yeah. The entirety of the first time I saw this film. Yeah. I saw it at the IMAX cinema at Melbourne Film Festival. (laughs) Jesus. And I have never felt so overwhelmed by seeing a film. I see hundreds of movies a year. Yeah. And this 
I've never had that experience before. Yeah. Where I felt so uneasy. If I was on an aisle, if I was on the end of an aisle, I would have gotten up and walked out, washed my face, come back. Yeah. I would have stood up something. Yeah. But I was trapped in the middle and yeah. I, 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 was, I just was so overwhelmed. I yeah. was so overwhelmed when the credits started rolling. I was like, so I was with my friend Felix. And I, was, I was like, we have to get out of here. I need to get some air. I, yeah. I couldn't breathe that whole movie. My insides were turning. And this is a crime movie. And there's not one instance of violence on screen. No, no. Not one frame of grisly imagery. Nothing. It is all in the filmmaking and the technique yeah. and the empathy of this filmmaker. Yeah. To create that experience for you. And I think it's so worthy. And I was so lucky. And you were there when I got to interview uh, Thomas M. Wright with this film and present this film for a screening here in Sydney. And it was truly maybe the highlight of my whole year, apart from making Finding Jesus, was doing this. Because this movie meant so much to me and his work means so much to me. It was great to be able to talk to him about it. Because after seeing this movie, like honestly, I've been thinking about writing a freaking book about this kind of Australian cinema. Yeah. Because it's been in my mind for so long that Australian cinema and Australian art idolizes and fanaticizes these dangerous men. Yes. And I think Thomas M. Wright, between this film and his debut film, Acute Misfortune, is the first person to really speak to that obsession um, with our culture. Yeah. And that glorifies and chastises in equal measure or may actually probably not equal measure yeah. but it glorifies these dangerous men and I think he's the first one soon in a long time to speak to that in a very significant way yeah and I just think that this is this movie it's it's phenomenal yeah the way that opens with you literally this guided meditation to breathe in the movie and to yeah. become one with the movie. Yeah. It's like genius shit. I think yeah. he's the most thoughtful filmmaker in this country right now. Yeah. Uh, you did a great job with that interview as well. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I needed to hear it. My, my friend and I were very... Uh, I'm allowed to say this now because I'm 50, but uh, <laughs> we're very proud of you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, once again, this might be a film, my number one film, which you may have seen. I don't know if it was at a film mm-hmm. festival the year before or anything. Uh, this is the middle film that I saw yes. on either side. The fabled week. The fabled week of bringing mm-hmm. me back from the edge. And uh, the film is The Worst Person in the World. Mm-hmm. I love this film with all my heart. Uh, it covers a, uh, a young woman called Julie who deals with a world that, uh, that kind of society is attempting to lock her into being one type of person and she has, uh, I've seen it described as an indecisiveness but I don't think it's that. I think there's a strength of character that knows that there's something else out there for her. I think it speaks to uh, a, a very um, specific thing that I have learned from women over Mm. the last four or five years, which is uh, some women in their early to mid-30s can be in situations where there is nothing wrong, but there is more to life and Mm. they they want to connect with it. And uh, they can be in long-term relationships and they can just look around and their partner's like, yep, I've done all the crazy things. Now I just want to settle down. And they're like... What? Wow, I've still got other things that I want to do. And I think it really speaks to that ennui that is not really mm. discussed. Um, it's it, A lot of my uh, female friends, when they have gone through this, um, often they're kind of told, you know, you should, oh, have a baby. 
you know oh now it's time to get married you know it's all that kind of yeah. stuff uh, and uh, I'd never seen a movie that spoke to that uh, in this way before uh, Renat Rens Renata Rensiv I yeah, think yeah I'm so terrible with these pronunciations mm. um, I just found her incandescent I could amazing. not take my eyes off her uh, Anders Danielson Lee as her as her partner or her first partner was once again, just such a beautifully uh, developed character mm. that I completely understood why she didn't want to be with him. And I was devastated for him that, you know, this relationship mm. wasn't going to work out. All the actors are great. All the characters are great. Uh, it was, funnily enough, it was the first movie that I had seen by Joachim Trier before. And I went back and I watched Reprise and Oslo August 31st. Mm. And I loved both of them as well. And uh, this is a movie that I have come back to on numerous occasions. And it's uh, just, you know, it's it couldn't be more about someone that I'm nothing like. Mm. And this movie uh, spoke directly to me. I really love this movie as well. I've seen it a couple of times now. Um, to me, this is like top tier, all time fantastic for the most part, until there's just like, for me, there's one thing that just draws me back. What's that? Um, well, it is, I think that what draws me back is a, to this point where this movie just stops feeling so feminine and starts feeling really male and like a male mind. Like you, the to me, it's like the screenwriting changes where you go, oh, this movie is not from a a woman's perspective at a certain point and it's to me the final act uh or the second to last act where uh i don't want to spoil in case people haven't seen it. Oh, maybe you can tell me after i'll tell you after but there's just this switch that kind of feels like such a male thought that i every man i believe would have felt guilty of at some point which is after that first big breakup being like you'll really regret this and miss me when i'm dead and that's like that. Then the film kind of felt like that to me, and just like the thing that draws. Oh, really? Me back, I did not feel that in the slightest. It's really. It's a, my one really big hang up with this movie. Oh, I just don't. I do not agree with you on that at all. Yeah, I, it, it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like that to me yeah. at all. Yeah, I just cannot get over it. Because I really? think up to that point, I think that this is the best shit ever. Right. And it just really disappoints me from, not even from then on, because I don't think it stops being a good movie, but it just stops being the movie that it felt like it was. Uh, and it just felt, to me, like that felt like such a male plot contrivance right. that happens at that point. But that's also things that happen in life. Yeah. But it's not life. It's it is like someone making it up, you know. Yeah, oh, I just totally disagree with you. Yeah, on that. but um, I, I don't. Uh, I think the film never wavers in its uh, yeah. feminine approach, and uh, I think the ending is is perfect. I think the ending is perfect. Yeah, but I think just there's that for me. It's that act there where just I to me it just stops being. Well, I just it stops but I just don't see it even the way that you describe it. Yeah, that you, you it's, to me is just a you miss me when I'm gone. Is yeah, like, male thought. It's to me, it's like the male auteur creeping in that just didn't work for me at all. But I don't. But I just don't believe that that's what goes through her head. Yeah, I think it's a moment of empathy, but I don't see it as like I. I just didn't see it that way at all. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, but I love this movie. I'll watch it again and again. Yeah, finally a Margaret and David moment for yeah. us. Yeah. I'm still going to give it four and a half. Um, <laughs> so, they're our top 
10. Fascinating that we did not... We had one movie in uh, in agreement at exactly the same point. Mm, we had one. Yeah. We had one. At number four. At number four. That's so and funny. And also, that was the middle section. It could just be anywhere, you know? Yeah. But it was anywhere, everywhere, all at once. Now, do you have um, shout-outs? Um, let me see what I've got. I have a few. Uh, th- I love this movie, The Civil Dead, but I didn't put it in the top 10 because it's people wouldn't be able to find it in any way. Yep. It's a very small, independent comedy that I just loved, loved, loved. Yep. Um, and I also... I'm trying to think that we didn't talk about it at all. I love Jackass Forever. That was such yeah. a great experience. Uh, Neptune Frost is another really interesting, weird sci-fi movie from Africa that I think is really great. Um, and I, 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 what else did I not mention at all? Um, uh, oh, I would recommend this to you if you because you really like. Uh, I think this is in a similar vein to uh, the worst person in the world. It's a movie called Sick of Myself. Okay, um, which probably would be more accurate to be called the worst person in the world. Right. I think it's from the same country. <laughs> I think it is a Norwegian film as well. Right. Um, but that is really really cool and weird and funny and quite biting in a satire. Yeah. Uh, it's called Sick of Myself. Okay. Great. Uh, some. Films, uh, one that I haven't put here, but I, I wonder if I saw it, maybe I didn't see it until January, but I feel like I saw mm. it at the end of the year. Um, I saw The Menu. I, I had oh. some people um, really bag that film to me. I think it's pretty funny. I had a fun time with it. Yeah, when I went, uh, but I feel like every everyone who bagged it, mm. bagged it for the same reasons, which was, they said to me... Um, Oh yeah, you work out where it's going, and then yeah. and it's like no, I don't I think that's that. how you meant to watch it. Yeah, I hate that criticism because I, it's just like that's that's, that's but it's not, not a whodunner puzzle. Yeah, exactly. It, like it's a satire, and I thought it was a really well done satire. Mm. I thought Nicholas Holt was um, yeah. Uh, the the scene with Ray Fine yeah was. There was a part of me that's like, oh yeah. man, I would love to have done this to yeah. about 137 people in yeah. my life with stand up. Yeah. Exactly. It's a re- I think it's it's a lot of fun. I saw yeah. with a bunch of chefs and they were it was fun to see them slowly get into it where they was like, Oh, this is they were like crit- like daggy and then they go, Oh, we get exactly what yeah, this is doing yeah, now and yeah. then they just loved it. Then they loved it. Mm. Um so Top Gun Maverick, which you mm-hmm. mentioned, Nope, which you mentioned, The Stranger, which you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, at the start of last year, I really liked The Lost Daughter. I thought that was... I a, still have not seen The Lost Daughter. Yeah, I yeah. thought Maggie Gyllenhaal did a fantastic job with yeah. that. You know, with a character that is... Olivia Coleman is... It, like, it's it's a devastating performance yeah. and it's and it's fascinating as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, oh, who else is in it? It's the woman from Fifty Shades of Grey. I can't think of her uh, name. Dakota Johnson? Yes. Yeah, and yeah. she is... Like she's like a young Meryl Streep in it. Yeah, like, she's she a great actor. Unbelievable. Um, other another film that we saw together that I didn't know how we f- I felt about it, and then yes. ages ages later, Armageddon Time. Yeah, I'm so glad we saw that together because yeah. it, we did we talked about it on Total Reboot as yeah. well, and it was so interesting because we both I think were weirdly on the exact same page. Yes. And in, in and then we evolved from that same page to the same page again. But you know, often mm. often parallel, you know, yeah. journeys and then coming back. Yeah. So uh um uh I saw the Fablemans and I 
that was my worst cinema experience of the year because wow. right from the beginning, wow, wow, wow. when the uh, when the opening scene of uh, the young boy seeing the mm. um, the greatest show on earth, people were laughing at it like it was Wayne's World. Oh my god! Like it was like, wow, oh, look how shit funny. that is. Yeah, yeah I, it's funny, but, but it's like... not. But it's not. That kind of funny. Yeah. So I really was, liked it. I loved Fablemans. I'm I, sorry to hear that you had a bad experience. I still really enjoyed it, but there were people. So there was a lot of people just mm-hmm. laughing like that. And then to top to equalize it, there were two people that I couldn't see where they were sitting because I was going to say something. Who were just going Ugh, at stuff all the way yeah. like that. So they were the they were the. Uh, up themselves critics, you know, mm. type... Oh, not critics, but up themselves intellectuals of, oh, look at this, oh, here we go, you know, that kind of thing. And then you had people guffawing like yeah. you're in a Will Ferrell film. Oh, my and God. it was... Nightmare. And, and my friend and I got out of it and I, thankfully I saw it with a uh, with a mate that I could talk to her and we could, it like, by talking together over a couple of glasses of wine, we could get the experience out and go, yeah. no, 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 that was great. That was a really beautiful film. Yeah, nightmare. Um, and then the other two was I really enjoyed Knives Out, Glass Onion, and uh, I really enjoyed The Batman. Yeah. Uh, the Batman I wish was shorter. It's too long. It's way too long. I, I, I don't think a movie, you know, mm. uh, Drive My Car, three hours. Yeah. It's meant to be three hours. And it's not a wasted moment. The Batman. And this should not have been three hours. Because even the Nolan movies are long. But this was like torturously long, you know? I, I personally, you know, once again, it's, um, uh, you know, uh, Hugh Jackman's The Wolverine. Mm. If you finish that movie with him fighting 99 ninjas in the snow, yep. that's a great ending. Yeah. And if you finish this film with Batman fighting a whole lot of Riddler yep. uh, lookalikes, that's, yeah. that's a great film. And I remember at that time seeing people going, and I wouldn't know what I would cut. I go, just write it shorter. You don't have to write every part. Like I'd cut the flood. I would cut the flood. I would cut the Joker. I would cut. I would cut. So yeah, that, that's just what I would Joker cut. Too. But also, it's make believe. You mm. don't have to write it to be yeah. that long. Just go. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, now let me do another draft. Make yeah. it shorter and shorter. Uh, and uh, and this is just this is not a criticism. Mm-hmm. This is a preference. Yeah. But I I like a. Bruce Wayne, that is uh, Moody Bruce, yep. Batman Bruce, and fun-loving Playboy yeah. Bruce. That's just a preference. I wonder how we'll see that character evolve. The thing about that movie, mm. I love the table setting. What could happen next? Yeah, Great. Yeah, yeah. I love the world. I yep. love so much about it. Yep. But um, I don't think I will ever watch it again. And I've had, I've been looking at buying that 4K because it's been on special. I'm like, oh, we'll look great. But I just go, we what? I'm like, I don't need to see it again. It's been it's, healthy for me to have that realisation. I don't so need to see this. This is a really funny thing that you say. Mm. I've nearly bought it on 4K yeah. a number of times and just haven't... And I love Pattinson. Yeah. And, you know... I like Matt Reeves a lot. He's, yeah. he's playing all the Apes movies. I think are masterpieces. Yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, uh, look, I still really enjoyed it. And, and, yes. and weirdly... And I'll um, be there for the next one easily. I, without a doubt. And mm. weirdly, uh, I may have told this story on this podcast years ago, but I... Um, after the dark night, about a month after the dark mm. night, I woke up from a dream where I'd walked out of the cinema and I'd seen Nolan's next film and it had the Riddler as a serial killer mm. and it was set in a... Uh, it was a um, heat wave. Set yeah. in a heat wave. Wow. And... Um, Summer of Sam. 
Right, you know, it was that kind of thing. And uh, with the police chasing after Batman, trying to hunt this serial killer. And it's funny, I then see this film and it's like, oh, this is... This is almost the dream I had. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, it. So, um, the classic film that I saw for the first time that I'd never seen is In the Mood for Love, which I had been dying to see for a long time, and then it was on at the Ritz Cinema as their 85 years of... Uh, of of movies. Know, movies. Yeah. And I, so I, I wanted to see it on the big screen and uh, finally saw it and was like... And also had a... Uh, preconception on what the movie was about and I was wrong and I was wrapped that I was wrong because it was so beautiful. Um, I guess the classic I'd never seen before that I just watched recently, um, I'd never seen, I'd seen obviously parts of a studying film, but I'd never seen The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari before. Oh, right. And it is obviously, it's one of the best movies ever made. Yep. Uh, Movies probably have never looked better. And yep. it was like the one of the very first films. Yeah. Um, great, great, great German expressionistic yep. uh, horror movie from like the 1920s. Where did you see that? I bought the 4K Blu-ray. Yep. <laughs> and it was fantastic. And it was I saw, either that or the Batman. And I saw Avatar <laughs> the next day and I experienced all of cinema in between, you know? Right. <laughs> I, I was like, it was basically, I lived that cut in 2001 A Space Odyssey yeah. from the bone to the starship. And it was spectacular. <laughs> Uh, what was the worst film you saw last year? Oh, um, oh, there was fi- I. I don't, I, I don't like, I don't like to films. do it, but there was one film that I really hated that I saw, and there was a lot of shit movies I saw, or movies that weren't to my taste. But there was one that really disappointed me. Um, it's called My Best Friend's Exorcism. Right. And it's based on a book that I really, really like by right. Grady Hendrix, which is like a it's like a nineteen eighties horror film. Um, inspired book about it, two girl best friends and one of them is possessed by some kind of demon and the movie came out and I hated it. It was so poorly made and blandly designed and just nothing, almost nothing in it worked for me. Damn. And uh, it was a true disappointment. Uh, the worst film I saw was Black Adam and uh, that you know what? That's my fault because mm. I said yes to the ticket and yes. I went and then I walked out of it and uh, I turned around to my friend and I said, I think I'm concussed. Yeah, I just knew that I have no interest in I it. Don't, I don't even know why I went. Um, just to finish up our listeners, yes, the, mm. the movie that came in the most, you want to take a guess? It was Everything Everywhere All at Once. You are sure. correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt wrote and said the whole movie was creative, unique and fun but the scene with Wayman telling Evelyn that in another life he would have liked to do mm. laundry and taxes with her was just sublime. Yeah, uh, Grant Long agreed with Matt. Uh, uh, Steph uh, said that, uh, she said, apart from everything, everywhere, and we'll get into some of her movies a bit later, uh, Rachel said that there were two that stood out for her, everything, everywhere, uh, not only because of how visually beautiful it is, also because my non-neurotypical brain feels exactly that, all at once, all the time. Uh, VJ Owens, he said, he, I too can't go past everything everywhere all at once. Such a, such a refreshing departure from the slew of franchise offerings of late. Uh, Danny Radford, uh, he gave me three movies. first one was Everything Everywhere All at Once for the reasons that everyone has mentioned. Uh, original fun and it brought Short Round back. He gave it five squids. <laughs> and Aaron Donaldson said, uh, tried to find another movie that was better, but failed to do so. Even looked at lists of all movies released in 2022 and couldn't come down to another one. Oh, and also Claire said, put me down as another person who liked the film. Alicia Hobson said, look, I hate to sound unoriginal, but 
everything everywhere at all at once was a piece of fucking art and Matt Matthew said absolutely loved everything everywhere all at once at home but his big regret is missing this at the cinema he heard it was a uh, great fun with a crowd and Matthew you are correct uh, Rachel also said a second for her was Moon Age Daydream uh, my 30 odd years of Bowie fandom and the sheer beauty of the experience the passion and care taken I simply adored it well done Rachel I knew that I could <laughs> count on you to come in with that uh, Steph also said Fire of Love recommended if yeah, you have Disney movie. Plus Volcanoes, a love story, amazing footage, lava, bonkers, scientists. Um, Pip said, didn't have many opportunities to watch things at the theatre, but I have smashed through some gems through online streaming platforms, ABC, iView and SBS On Demand. The latter introduced me to a wonderful documentary, Asshole, A Theory. Whilst appearing on screens in 2019-ish, I have only had the chance to enjoy this think piece in the current year. Based on the book of the same name, it provided me with much food for thought. I have now developed my own ability to analyse or identify an arsehole in any context of life. Great viewing, short, sharp, and to the point for spuds. Uh, Danny. You'll be very happy with Danny. He said, Apollo 10 and a half. Obviously, yes, Spielberg is a master when directing stories about childhood, but Richard Linklater has to be in that conversation. Yes. This is a beautifully animated tale of a boy growing up in the 60s during the space race. It's filled with family nostalgic moments that even I felt, and I wasn't born there. Yes, Four squids. And then Danny also said... Uh, good luck to you, Leo Grande. I had such a great time with this movie. It is a movie that I have recommended and only received positive feedback. It's beautiful dialogue uh, and that drives the film with excellent performances from Dylan McCormack and Emma Thompson. Highly recommended. He gave that four squids. Uh, Aaron Donaldson. Honourable mentions to a gritty reboot Santa movie, Violent Night with David Harbour as Santa <laughs> and John Leguizamo it as Scrooge. It was pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. It's The Boys Meets... Uh, the Santa Claus, not for everyone, but an antidote to our uh, to the overschmaltzy Christmas movies. Mel Gibson. Oh my god! I thought he meant the David Wenham, the Boys. Oh right! I was like, no. what the? F- oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen the TV show. No. Uh, Aaron also enjoyed Knives Out. Glass Onion is pretty cool, and a hark back to the old mystery movie days. And also mentioned Nope, Matthew Thurban. Uh, a tie between Glass Onion and Nope. Both equally great experiences at the cinema, both with filmmakers at yes. the top of their game. Glad to hear all the Nope love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Claire uh, also enjoyed The Lost King. She's a sucker for true story movies, and I may or may not have got teary at the end. And finally, What's this one? I don't know this one. Uh, that's uh, the movie about finding uh, the remains of King... Uh, I forget the King, King Richard. Okay. Oh, with um, Sally Hawkins. Yes. Okay, yeah. And finally, Ryan Leon uh, really enjoyed the new Predator movie, Prey. Even if only to show that action movies don't need to be bloated and overblown. Mm, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, an interesting uh, mix of films there. Yeah, I'd love to see all the nope love coming out of that as well. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Uh, Alexi, thank you for joining us for this. What a what a great way yeah. to discuss this film. I'm, I'm, and... I'm surprised that we yeah. only had the one, but I'm also thrilled. Yeah, me too. It makes me so happy to hear, to see, uh, especially when we're doing a podcast like this, to talk about so many extra movies because yeah. we had a different list. It made me yeah. so happy. Um, hopefully there's a few good discoveries in there for some people as yep. well. Hopefully they can track some stuff down. What are you looking forward to this year? Um, we're about to see it. Megan, the yep. little crazy doll android yep. movie. That looks like fun. 
I cannot wait. We're seeing it in like 20 minutes, 20 minutes. time. So. And uh, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I am completely down for the eight days where I am going to see uh, Mission Impossible... Yeah. And then Oppenheimer and Barbie. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a big week. <laughs> that is, big week. that might Holy be the shit. best week of movies of all time. Yeah, Barbie. I wonder. I'm that trailer. It's interesting. I hope it's great. I feel good. Yeah, because the 2001 A Space Odyssey parody was a little odds, and I'm like, okay, well, hopefully that's that, not the whole movie. Hopefully oh, that's just a trailer. Yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. It. yeah. Anyway, yeah. odds, odds, good. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. You can watch my documentary series, Finding Jesus, yeah. uh, that I made with Cameron James. Um, the podcast is Total Reboots. Uh, Cameron and I are going to be coming back with a new podcast later in the year. But in the meantime, very soon, I'm going to be restarting this, experimenting with Total Reboot for a little bit. Yep. It will be more of a recommendation show. So we'd yep. love to get you on, Hamo, and it'll be utilizing my special skill of recommending movies to people. Yeah, great. Uh, so it'll be kind of like, you know, reliving my days of being a video store clerk until Cameron <laughs> and I start going down rabbit holes again eventually in the near future. Great. All right. Thanks, mate. Let's go and check out Megan right now. Thank you to Alexi for joining me today. What a great podcast to come back with. I'm so happy with this episode and it's really got me fired up for the rest of this season. A big thank you to everyone who contributed their thoughts on their favourite films. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Good on you guys. I was very happy, but I also like some of the left of field uh, suggestions as well. So I really appreciate everyone who took time to write to me and uh, give their thoughts and uh, share their opinions on why they like those films. We'll have three more of these episodes coming up. Uh, initially, I was going to start off the year with uh, favourite films, favourite books, uh, favourite TV shows and favourite music, but... You know, there's been some people who have not been well and blah, 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 blah. You know, sometimes producing stuff is tricky. So we will be recording them and bringing them out over the next uh, few weeks. So instead, we will be jumping into some different podcasts uh, to begin with. But uh, keep an ear out for them. Uh, I think uh, actually, I think uh, Adam Richard and I are doing the TV Uh, episode later today so if we record that later today that'll come out in the next couple of weeks thank you to tim hay for being our patreon subscriber of the episode i appreciate you taking the time to join our group here and i hope you enjoyed this episode if you'd like to sign up to the patreon and support the production of the podcast like everything that uh, you contribute goes into maintaining the work that goes into this and equipment and art and blah 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 it all goes right back in to the quality of this podcast so thank you uh, if you'd like to be a part of it head to patreon.com forward slash justin hamilton remember if you're in adelaide i will be appearing there at the end of the month go to justinhamilton.com.au forward slash gigs It's justinhamilton.com.au forward slash gigs and you will find more details, not just about Adelaide, but Melbourne as well. And make sure you use the Big Squid promo code podcast to save some coin on your tickets. I'll be back next week with two 
brand new Big Squid podcast. We will have a Space Podacy episode. Ben Elwood and I dig into the classic sci-fi film Total Recall. And I will also be talking to playwright Melanie Tate about her new play, A Broadcast Coup. I'm going to finish today's episode with a quote from Damien Chazelle. I recently (laughs) saw Babylon and sure, the movie is a hot mess, but I fucking loved it. I thought it was great. And you can point out all the flaws to me and I'll probably agree with you, but I didn't give a shit. I still loved it. I loved the ambition of it. I loved that it was a big swing. And even if it was a mess, I loved that mess. And you know what? Maybe I'll talk about it in a later podcast. The, the people who listen to the Patreon and uh, get the Patreon podcast have already heard some of my thoughts. But man, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And I just feel like people not enjoying it, I don't know, just aren't a lot of fun. There you go. How do you feel about that for a comment? If you saw it and you hated it. Anyway, we'll save that for another time. But. I've been thinking about that movie a lot. I've been thinking about Damien Chazelle. And I thought, well, let's end with a quote from the man himself. This is a quote about making movies, but I reckon you can apply this to any creative endeavor. If you want to make a movie, there may be many forces trying to pull you down, but really a lot of it is willpower. You can will it into being if you just believe that you are going to make a movie. It's great to be back. Thank you for listening. Until then. Extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.